Okay. So, guys, it says to avoid legal snags by telling participants they are being recorded. So, you guys are being recorded. I'm suing you. No, oh, no, damn it. <laughs> All right. Well... Hox Pox is in the box. They shut the locks and stopped all the clocks, biatch. Wow. <laughs> hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 357 of the podcast that goes snicked. So nicked. I'm your host, Jason, and I'm joined once again by the Scalabros Plus, Dan, Georgie, Ian. Hey, guys. Hey. Hello, good people. What's up? And we are going to put the finishing touches on Hawk's box. They have everything ready to go to the presses. They're just waiting for our thoughts. And then are you saying to we're going to touch these books until they finish? Is that what you just said? <laughs> am I, am I, did I hear you wrong? <laughs> I, I think that's exactly what I said. Okay. <laughs> are we in the wrong podcast? <laughs> yes, you might be, but. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Has everyone made it through? So we have three chapters of Hawk's Pox to go through today. Everybody, everybody doing good and ready to chat it up? These were the most, I, I'm not saying like the difficult, but the, the others I, I felt going through them one time I had an understanding. These ones required multiple readings just to sort of see how everything fit together. So this is this is more interesting perhaps. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And I know, Georgie, um, you had a couple of, of points of conversation. I'm assuming the main one will probably be better at the end, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, cool. All right, so I made sure I didn't leave you hanging. You're like, but but he said we could talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, very cool. Well, I'm very glad to have you guys on. Um, of course, we'll do official plugs at the end, but... As always, go listen to it, Scalabros. Um, and any, anything else? Any house cleaning we need to get to? Um, like we talked about. Oh, I guess I haven't talked with you guys. Uh, so new series, any, any highlights or anything from kind of, I guess, the Wave 2 Dawn of X books? I talked a little bit on my last episode about uh, the new Wolverine book. Any other highlights or things you wanted to mention? Is, is there more than is there more than the Wolverine book coming out? I guess not. I think they just said more about the other books. <laughs> yeah, I think there's been more preview pages and and some uh, at the Comic Con. I think a few people were talking a little bit more in depth about what's going to happen with the books or what their goals are, perhaps. Right. Um, I'm more excited for X Men because it's Cyclops and his merry band of whoever's a guest <laughs> star, and that sounds exciting. Yeah, and oh, like a Cyclops team up book sounds yeah. fun. And Excalibur looks great. So does New Mutants. Uh, X Force looks like dog shit. Um, <laughs> yeah. ooh, ooh, ooh. Well, Who's writing thank, that one again? Thank you, Rob Liefeld, for your opinion on X Force. Oh jeez, <laughs> <laughs> they come from I don't understand it. Um, I, I'm just glad he said just because you put Domino in the picture doesn't make it X Force. <laughs> okay. Oh, he was also like. His, his other comment was, I don't understand how they're growing X-Men from plants now. This doesn't make any sense to me. What is this? Right. Re- read the comments. Yes. Then, then have an opinion. And yes. you, cannot, you cannot like it, but read it first. My favorite thing is he was railing against Marvel for something they did, and he tagged like a Bob Iger, the, uh, or is that his first name? 
the the, the old the Disney CEO. He just like uh, casually tagged him in his tweets, like, "Hey, fix this for me." <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness. Anyway, I guess that's not really what we're here to talk about. You guys want to go ahead and jump in the books? Uh huh. All right. So I'm going to hit us up first with Powers of X number five. That'll be our last number five. And then we'll get to the last two issues. Um, this, of course, is written by Jonathan Hickman, as are they all. Um, art by R.B. Silva. Colors by Marte Gracia. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Designed by Tom Mueller. 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 Um, cover by Silva and Gracia. And here we just have a great cover of Sinister being fabulous on the cover. I had to double take if I was Georgie doing his stand up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if he got a sinister cape, I would... That would be a great costume for Halloween yeah. or for cosplay or whatever. That would take forever to make, oh my goodness. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, this may be my favorite one because it's so beautiful and Sinister is just in the series, Sinister's just like, Yeah, I'm Kieran Gillen's Sinister. Um <laughs> that's the only Sinister that matters. Right. Um, these last couple covers have been just like, well, here's a character standing there. I don't know yeah, why they yeah. made that, that shift, but in terms of, of, of that style, I really like this. I, I, I love the, the sinister design. The, the color work is always wonderful. It's, I, I wouldn't say it's the best we've, we've seen in the series, but uh, from the last couple, I, I really like this. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I like the little hands coming out of the, the gold pods in the foreground as well. Mm-hmm. So the lake is just it just comes up and be like, bitches, now I am now I'm your god, come with me. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. Alright, so in this one, we basically start off in X-Men Year One in my hometown of Dallas, Texas, and we have Xavier I'm assuming this is like a giant aquarium inside of Eagle Tower but he's visiting Forge and basically saying, can you build all the stuff I've been talking about in these books for me? And he's like, well, I can. Should I? And he's like, yes, you should. He's like, okay, well, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> so basically he's going to build all the machinery that has to do with like he's going to help upgrade Cerebro to collect consciousnesses and then help create the way to store them and then the way to back them up. And that's really kind of what we go through here. Um, and he kind of says, I'm going to need more than this plan has to offer. And Charles Xavier is like, well, just turns out I'm banging the queen in the Shi'ar. And so um, we can have these crystals, these diamonds we're going to mention that we'll probably eventually say are Sinister's diamonds as well. Um, and, you know, then we get a little uh, note about how Cerebro works and is updated. And then um, we come to the present, which is, of course, year 10. And Emma Frost is at the Louvre with a dandy Charles Xavier with a nice helmet and a nice suit. Magneto in his all-whites, because um, it's before Labor Day. And um, yeah, they talk. Emma's a little shocked. She doesn't really like them. As much, but she kind of puts up with them and doesn't particularly care for them. Um, she 
points out kind of the obvious that whenever we get everyone together in the same place, something bad happens. But, you know, they kind of eventually, I guess, kind of ease her over, mainly by offering her a seat. Because basically this whole scene is about setting up, like, the backbone of the new Krakoan government, or the, the kind of the secret council that's going to rule this kind of mutant paradise that Xavier and Magneto are setting up in secret with uh, Moira. And so they're inviting Emma to the table. It's kind of one of the first seats. Um, and, you know, she has some demands. And those demands include, I don't get one seat, I get three seats. with Because uh, they want Sebastian, or need Sebastian, which she doesn't like, Sebastian Shaw. And so her counter to that is, well, then I get to choose somebody too. If you're going to make me sit by him, then I want someone I can talk to when he gets drunk. And so... Um, Basically... Yeah, that's the deal. So then we go later to Krakoa, and Emma's pretty wowed by what they've been able to accomplish so far. And she's like, okay, I'm in. And by the way, all this art is gorgeous. Um, yes. This is the, the issue fives is really where Power of X takes, takes the clear lead in terms of art. Yes. uh, From, from House of X. Um, and I love here where Emma's like, I'll do it for the, for the kids. And I, I love how Hickman has, has really kept her as in, in like in character. <laughs> so that was really right. nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we get our first redacted version of the quiet council. Uh, we only see, uh, six seats here to begin with of the 12 or no, I'm sorry. There's, uh, I guess 14. Well, I don't know. How, so there's 12 seats and then two just kind of people hanging around, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah. They're like Cypher. the referees, I feel like. Right, right. So we know about Professor X and Magneto and Sebastian Saw and Emma Frost, and we will get more of those seats populated, um, I think probably in the next book is when that happens, if I remember. Um, so anyway, um, we start to pull everyone to Krakoa. All the people we saw at the end last time, all the bad guys, good guys, whatever, everybody's coming. Um, Xavier sends out a summons through a blue body, and the only one that he kind of gets turned down is Namor, who's like, basically says, I don't think you're ready to really do this. And, you know, I think he says, come back when you're ready, but I think he really just means, F off, I don't really care, you'll never be ready. <laughs> yeah. Um and so he sends Xavier packing. That's kind of his only disappointment. Everyone else, even some of the tough customers, are, are kind of on board. So then we go to year 1000 where we have a really cool visual of this, like, phalanx, like, brain or whatever. And we've seen this, this post-human society is ready to ascend. And the phalanx eats the elder, which everyone's a little surprised by, except for Nimrod. He's like, well, yeah, it kind of makes sense. Um, there's probably more to talk about in these pages. I'm still not completely sure of the year 1000 stuff, just as far as like, the actual plot. But um, anyway, we get an essay about the types of societies, similar to what we had with the um, Technarch world mind stuff. But now we get Titans, Stronghold, and Dominions, which are basically levels of black hole intelligence. And we end on that kind of weird note. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hi. Dan, I know you're dying to talk about this artwork. Please, please tell us what you think. About this artwork? 
Mm-hmm. It was. It was. Uh, okay. No, it's great. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, it's it's like uh, this. Yeah, Parvex Five. Ooh, it's hard to put them on because they're also beautiful. But like everyone's act- when cat when characters on the page feel like they're acting out what's happening mm-hmm. in front of you. That's always that's always great artwork. Um, some of the vista shots of Kokoa are beautiful. Um, I just I want to wear that cape. I don't know what he, he, I have an obsession with people drawing hair white and like and now I have an obsession with people drawing like faux fair capes. <laughs> um, so now I know what I'm getting you for Christmas. Yay! Right, um, right. You heard it here. The phalanx, <laughs> the phalanx stuff may be um, sort of um, semi incomprehensible at times, but it's still the one, some of the most beautiful visuals of the book. Yes. Um, yeah. And I like, I just, I love this idea that, um, it's just like, well, we can offer you a plant is, um, the panel of like Magneto and, <laughs> and, and the plant kind of excited. Like, yeah, have this flower. Everyone just looks so great. I, I think Xavier looks fantastic. Emma has never looked, looked better apart from maybe Bacalo's hands. Um, and I just, I don't know, it's just stunning. It's like a beautiful, um, high budget television show. And it's, it's, it's such a quiet, Compared to some of the others, such a quiet sort of moment in the story. Um, but it, right, it, right. It's drawn with such, um, sort of reverence to the, to, to the story. And like, it doesn't matter. This is all talking heads. We're going to make it look like the best goddamn book we can. And I think that's <laughs> admirable, um, in any, in any way. And like, I love the fact that Hickman has now decided that instead of having a council of Reed Richards, he's having a council of mutants. So, um, I don't care that he's recycling all of his uh, other Marvel ideas into one. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, I, um, yeah, it, it's beautiful and it's really lovely to hear, um, as Georgie alluded to, a character actually sound like a character and not like a sex doll or, or, right. or, or, or vilified because of an editorial, editorial mandate. Just to hear, and she's been positioned as one of the most powerful and influential characters on the on the island now. So, um, yes. It's intriguing, gets me excited. I want to read more, basically. What about Ian? I enjoyed it a lot. This was at the point before I has, had to start rush reading, so I really got to enjoy the story and go through the pace as the book was going through it, which, like Dan said, it felt, I'd say, slower, but no less important or no less enjoyable for, for it. Because the wording, the art, everything just came together in this perfect combination just to give you this beautiful piece that you can just enjoy over and over again, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, this artwork is, is super stunning. Yeah. Um, the, the color work, I think, is, has been masterful throughout the book, throughout both books. Um, yeah, I just, as you mentioned, it's a lot of talking heads, but it, it's fun and it provides a little bit of backstory without being like, boring text i i enjoyed the uh the concept that charles xavier had to like replace his own brain waves twice it's like oh okay this all right things are really going sort of i don't know um what's the uh what's that science fiction slash horror director uh, it's kind of going a little cronenberg in here happening oh, like yeah. things are going kind of weird and i'm enjoying going sort of off the rails in a controlled way and um, this was uh, just a, a super, super awesome issue. I just yeah. like that blue is like, like blue seems to be like the signifying color of this book, this issue specifically. 
and throughout um a light like light it's like a lighter because the, the the book has always been quite um because Kokoa is quite like orange reds and bright sort of on the warmer colors and this this issue is bizarrely colder than the rest visually i also love the fact that they just decided we're having a fish tank in the background so everything looks great <laughs> when people are talking <laughs> yeah yeah, I love Forge is like, should I? And Xavier's like, you really should. And Forge is like, okay, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> Very little convincing inquired for that dude every yeah. time. I also want, <laughs> I also like to pretend that whether she's having a clandestine meeting or not, that Emma always enjoys art museums on making everybody leave. Yep. I, I just, I really <laughs> love that scene. Pretty much. <laughs> Seems to be the way. <laughs> And man, Silva just—you know—there's been a lot of really good action in these books. This is the issue of just perfect facial expressions. Yeah. Through the yeah. whole issue. Um, yeah. All right. Well. I want to point out that I, I love how they sort of brought Emma in really close because, aside from Xavier and uh, magneto she has also been one of the headliners of like trying to make things great for mutant kind as a whole so yeah. uh nice that they sideline psych cyclops <laughs> and wolverine and everyone. well he's more of the uh the commander in in, in the field now but uh I, I just love how they've like yes she had this role before it would be perfect to bring her in because she'd, she'd buy right into it so uh it's just like <laughs> i don't yeah I, i'm kind of speechless with how how Hickman is able to take all these like random puzzle pieces from other puzzles and create like his own tapestry of like story happening here. It's it's pretty wonderful. Yeah. Alrighty then. I guess we're all ready right. to do uh, a <laughs> Winston <laughs> Yeah. Right. Well, I'll start. I'll give it a six out of six claws. I love this book a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Six out of six. It's it's gorgeous. It's about Emma Frost. I can't really not love it. I would have to agree. Once again, six out of six because out of all these shows I've read, even though not much happens, like in terms of action, because it takes more entertainment than that. It's just beautiful, and I I want to read it again, even just as a single issue. So six out of six. Awesome. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Six out of six. Great book. Very good. Well, let's see how these bad boys end. I think, Dan, you have House of X number six. Is that right? I have. I am not ashamed. House of X number six. Um, obviously written by Hickman or maybe someone else. Who knows? Um, <laughs> art by Pepe the Raz. Uh, colorist. Uh, we've got dual colorists signed with uh, Marty Garcia and David Curiel. Um, there is uh, VCs Clayton Carls and obviously Tom Mueller is design. Cover art is. Uh, Leraz and Garcia, and it is kind of bizarrely violent in my head. Oh, um, yeah. I can see maybe that reviewer that's an idiot um, got the whole um, white nationalist uh, movement from this cover. <laughs> His interpretation huh? is weird. Oh, there's, a review, there's a review online that really misinterpreted what these books mean and thinks that the X-Men are white nationalists now. Oh. Um, so, yeah. But no, this is, this is like um, almost... Um, we have Exodus sort of in standing in the back, Emma um so showing off some skin and Storm sort of shouting while behind them is some sort of floating fortress with loads of people on. Um 
I assume it's the address uh, that Storm's sort of addressing the the crowd or something. Yeah. yeah. But it, it's not my favorite cover, and I feel like it misses. It does miss the mark. It's it, it's bizarrely out of context and out of. I don't know what's the word. Um, hmm. It was like a declaration of war when I looked at it. Yeah, which I suppose it is inside. Yeah, the... it is. <laughs> That's why I kind of. I'm not sure I enjoy the artwork so much, um, but I do feel like thematically it, it fits with with what we're going for as a whole. Hi. I thought it was fine. <laughs> All right then. <laughs> Moving on. Now the only thing I would say maybe is. Um, I've been really loving Gracia's colors, and he does the why they split in the inside. He does this cover. I feel like the covers are maybe a little too dark and muddy mm. with, the, with the reds on this one. But um, other than that, I mean, it's fine. Yes. So um, we start on Krakoa with our, uh, I suppose, uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney and Yoko Ono. Um, <laughs> Please, you uh, start the mutant revolution as Charles puts on his cerebro because we're never allowed to see his face. Um, puts on his cerebro unit and talks to the world and basically, like, right, guys, um, we have all this shit now. Uh, leave us alone. We have a planet to save and we have an island of our own now. And everyone who is a mutant is welcome. And we have highlights. He's talking to the Fantastic Four. Uh, the Avengers, Doctor Strange even listens in from his uh, little house. And um, I have no idea who that person is in the orange <laughs> thing, but yeah, someone else who's unknown um, to me. And so he sends out the call. And then before we even get the visual representation, we get the Quiet Council of Krakoa, um, obviously already revealed was uh, Xavier Magneto and Emma and Sebastian Shaw. And now we have Mr. Sinister, Exodus Mystique, Storm, Jean, Nightcrawler, and Siphon Krakoa, but there is still one mystery to be remained. To be one seen. correction, it's it's not Emma, it's Apocalypse on a team. Um, yes, well, good old Apocalypse. Anyway, I forget I forget he's there. He, just, he sort of just sits there like a giant baby. <laughs> um, and then we have the Red King, uh, who no one knows who they are yet. Uh, many theories point to Ke- Kitty Pride, but we'll see. Um, Interesting. Have, hmm. I hadn't heard that, or hadn't seen that. It's maybe, maybe because there's a, a fun cover of the Marauders. Is she's a red chess piece? That uh-huh. Emma's uh-huh. Okay, makes uh, sense. Makes sense. Uh, yes. So we have the little design of of, of how everyone sits. And I love that uh, Quico and Doug are just sort of sat orbiting the rest of them. Um, right. And then we have this lovely room where Quico's giant tree face. Um, uh, sorry. <laughs> hey. Sorry. Oh, um. So we also have the captains. Which are uh, Cyclops, yeah. Bishop, Magic, and Gorgon. Gorgon, and that's the uh, that's the samurai guy. Because at first <laughs> I was like, why is he in human stopper guy there? But I forgot is a different guy. <laughs> and so it's a guy who can turn people to stone when he looks at it. Yes. Yep. That's why he's always blindfolded. Um, yes, I forgot about them because they're quote unquote important um, <laughs> and not as exciting to me as the rest of them. And so um, at Krakoa, we have the council taking their seats. With Xavier, we have Treebeard and uh, Cypher just chilling in his leaves. We have family, we have friends and allies, or enemies, frenemies, I don't know what you want to call it. <laughs> and I, do like, I do like it's seasonal, 
where it's like uh, where the winter council, summer council, spring, autumn, fall, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we're here to judge uh, Sabretooth. And he's been chilling in some water. <laughs> um, uh, we have all these different uh, groups of people who um, ideologically oppose each other, uh, but all totally agree that Sabretooth is a bit too much and is a bit of a <laughs> and needs to be like spanked or at least done away with, even though some of the people on this council have probably done just as much or if more murdering. Um, um, I love that Mystique calls out Nightcrawler um, being the one of faith on the thing. And I, some, like, some of these panels are really good, but whereas we just watched Talking Heads basically in full techno, uh, techno color and like on super stereo sound in 4K HD, we now like sort of downgraded a little bit uh-huh. to uh, like 1080p. Mm-hmm. I feel. <laughs> yeah. um, not everything, not everything's bad. I I like a good Nightcrawler cover um, picture. I do like the one where he's slack thinking with the tail behind his chest. Yes, yeah, that that's, nice. that's a great one for sure. Um, I, and I should probably call out a Wolverine panel if he's ever in the book. Um, but they, <laughs> they 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 make three laws, which is make more mutants, murder no man, respect the sacred land, which are the three laws of Kukara. And as uh, Save Two sort of took one of those laws. They, um, because they can't kill him, they make an example of him and imprison him in the heart of Kukur, which seems way more sinister mm-hmm. um, than anything else. And then, uh, as everyone's having fun and they've made the decisions, it's time to party! Because why not, after sentencing someone to eternal imprisonment? Um, they have a beautiful fireworks display. Uh, the colour work is the highlight, as always. Um, we have a smorgasbord of X-Men, new, old, um, geriatric. Every X-Men in the world is there. We have um, what me and Georgie have, point- have seen and noticed that uh, Skin and uh, Sync are alive from Generation X, so we're very happy. Um, very happy. We have uh, Wolverine, Cyclops, and Jean, and possibly Emma, in a menage a trois, or possibly a foursome. Um, <laughs> And everyone's just having fun, and it's so lovely to see. Even even Moody Apocalypse is kind of enjoying sitting there in the light. Um, and we end with Magneto and Xavier being all like, and we have created hope in the world for our kind. And it was nice, and it was beautiful. The it end. feels it feels very much like that uh, that like rave that happened in in one of those like the middle or third Matrix movie right before their final battle. <laughs> Right. We, were talking, we were talking to one of our friends who listens to our, this podcast and that, and he lives in the same city as us. And he literally said the exact same thing. Yeah, literally that's what it felt like. He's like, it's the Matrix bit where they all like rub up against each other. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that um, is 100% accurate. I did not think of it, though. That is great. <laughs> so, this is, what you this is a nice issue. Um, I think it's I don't want to say marred because this isn't not terrible in any way, but the 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 you know we are on such a high with the artwork that even when it it like drops like a half mark it's it's quite noticeable, especially when yeah. we jump from uh pox five so it was it was slightly disappointing in, in that sense, but I think it was really intriguing to see all the different characters like interact on the council uh, I love uh mother and son sort of like 
tit for tat a little bit on uh, on the council. I, I love the party aspect. I appreciate how how uh, Xavier and Magneto are like. No, it's our time now, Mora. You go you go sit in the in the back. I don't know how she's gonna feel about that, but it's like all right, yeah. These these dudes always find a way to to mess something up. So it feels like maybe they're on the way to to mess things up. Um, it was a nice sort of table setting for what's what's coming next. Yeah. How about you, Justin? Um, well, let's let Ian go first, and then I'll have a few comments. Well, I'll let Ian go first, yes. Okay, okay. Um, I enjoyed it, and much like everyone else, I did notice the dip in the arts, but I was too busy enjoying everything that was happening to really be bothered by it. Right. Uh, and there were some beautiful panels, as there always is with these books. You can never not have at least one somewhere. And honestly, I felt like it would have been a good point to end it as well. Just with we have built hope and it ends there. Yeah, I didn't really think about yeah. that. That's a fair point, an interesting point. That exactly a fair point. Um, yeah, so as far as the art, I think for me specifically, like the, the first five issues of House of X, where Roz has been really crisp and clean. Yeah. This art is still really good. It's just not quite as clear, maybe is the right word. Um, and some of it, I wonder, and this is not a slight, because I actually have spoken very highly of Curiel on X-Books before. So he's also a great colorist. Yeah, he is. I'm wondering, though, if the change in the colors had any impact to kind of the cleanness of the art as well. Um, yeah. But but there is some really cool art too, like Ian said. Um, the one where Sabretooth comes out of the bubble looks like Sabretooth. Um, and the scene of him getting dragged down by Krakoan weeds and vines is just kind of horrifying. Um, and Laraz really gets Sabretooth's kind of body language. And I know we've said this a thousand times. Every time he really talks about someone new. But Sabretooth's dialogue here is so Sabretooth. <laughs> and Hickman just really <laughs> gets that voice and just how nasty and petty and kind of almost like a false machismo. Like, I'm going to tell you how badass I am and all the terrible things I'm going to do. And to be fair, he usually backs it up. But he's always kind of been a just kind of a nasty mean-spirited in this conversation and I just, I think Hickman really gets it and to see everyone kind of turn on him, even where he might expect to find allies, like like Raven? Yeah, or Sinister you know, he slept with Mystique before he worked for Sinister before um so I don't know I, I thought, you can kind of see him getting like almost shocked and extra defensive as he sees like any hope he had of someone like stepping in and saying this is not right, like disappear under his feet, like literally. And then he gets pulled into the pit forever or until he comes back and is really pissed about it and kills people for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I, I guess that's really kind of all. Um, just the, the, <laughs> the art, the art was a little bit just still, I mean, compared to like just your normal books out there, still really good art. Maybe compared to the first five issues of this, just not quite that same level. But um, yeah, yeah, agreed. I do, I do like that the skin and 
uh, sync uh, panel is kind of Bacalo-esque with them both. And almost like he homaged that series because Gen X is like Hickman, one of Hickman's favourites. So it's nice to see those kids playing. Um, I love the fact that the council itself is separated into schools of thought. Um, mm-hmm. uh, with uh, obviously Xavier, Magneto and Apocalypse is the free driving factors of how mutants should rule the world in certain ways, or be in the world in certain ways, but they sat together. You have uh, the fanatic in, um, I forgot his name already, Exodus. Um, he's hardly in the books, don't laugh at me, Ian. I can forget him. No one, knows, no, one, no, one, no one remembers Exodus that well. You uh, <laughs> Yeah, with the fanaticism of Exodus and with like the sort of out-for-herself mystique um, and then it's the kind of wild like, card. Yeah, and I, I like the fact that you've got the mutant royalty of Emma and Sebastian Shaw, and then the X Men themselves, and that's pretty much the three hearts of the X Men are, are in the um, on the table with Jean, Nightcrawler, and Storm. And I thought it was a really interesting picks, and I generally love the fact that they're all like sort of essentially beholden to a giant tree and Douglas Ramsey. <laughs> um, right, and I like that. Kukura has a complete say in the matter. As he should. I mean, they're living in, in and on him. Yeah. I also I also adore that there's like a hint that there's like a beautiful uh, romance, bromance, whatever it is between Doug and Kukura. Um Yeah, like the, the way he sits on him, like the body language and everything is really interesting and fun. Um But it may not be as good at artwork, which is unfair to say, because um, saying that this artwork spash is is try is is well, there is way less artwork out there at the moment. <laughs> like it's, it's not like top right. tier artwork. Um, it's not bad artwork at all. I think it's got some beautiful moments, like like Jason said. Um, right. And like Nightcrawler thinking panel is now my like Zen guide to happiness. Um, <laughs> uh, um, and I, I think, I, I, now that you've said it, Ian, I kind of agree that it may sh- should have ended with the fireworks. Yeah, because I think then it'd be, some things would be left in mystery and it'd leave people to come to their own conclusions as well. And then Marvel would have been able to release, say, House of X, Powers of X, Omega 1.925 or something. <laughs> stop, stop. You, give it, you give it a name and you're going to breathe it into existence. Don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> They used, to, they used to love doing their alphas and omegas or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, if we're reading this thing, then I'm going to give it five out of six claws. Mm-hmm. I think, despite everything, uh, it all came together. A nice little end, because to me, this is the end, because I rushed through the other book like there was no tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I would keep it out of six out of six. Uh-oh. Dan, which way are you going to swing? It's hard because uh, technically the script is almost pitch, pretty much pitch perfect. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that makes up for the slight discrepancy in art. I, I think I might have to hit a six as well. Yeah, I'm right on that fence. Um, I got one foot squarely in five, one foot squarely in six. Um 
I think just to split the audience, I'll go five, but I could I could be pushed to a six pretty easily. Um, before we read this book, since we meant to talk about this last time, I was looking at the panel with the beer. Um, you know, we have like the X Factor guys and Iceman freezing the beers, um, Wolverine sharing beer with uh, Cyclops and Jean, and then giving one to Gorgon, which I thought was kind of interesting, like an mm-hmm. olive branch. Um, right. You know, Havoc and and Cyclops having a beer, Gene and Emma sharing a beer. But, of course, there is that scene of the X-Factor guys, or the old X-Factor guys, with Archangel having metal wings. And I know you and I, we talked about this kind of in our Twitter, I guess, co- combo a little bit, but um, I didn't want to let our whole coverage of Hawks Fox go away without us at least mentioning the idea that if these guys have all died and been resurrected, like, why does Angel have metal wings? Why does Wolverine have adamantium? And are they being asked to think? Like, if someone's doing that, like, if if Xavier's like, okay, Magneto, give him back the adamantium. Uh, Apocalypse, go ahead and do the Archangel thing again. Like, is this, are these people being given choices? Is it just happening? So, I, mean, I guess it's more of an open-ended question than anything, but if you I'm, guys have I'm, any I'm, comments on I'm, it. I believe, much like saving a game, an only progressed on game. If uh, Wolverine and Archangel popped out of uh, gold balls um, without the metal wings and the um, metal skeleton and all that trauma on the backup drive Sraver has been implanted in their minds, they may just have a moment and be like, what the, what the hell is going right. on? Okay. So maybe maybe right. it's for continu- continuity's sake? Or I it think it's... Part of that, I also think these these like eggs they hatch from are kind of like magical. So if if what's his name is able to like manipulate matter in any way he needs to, oh, okay. then they just so, pop out that way, you know. Okay, so so Proteus gives it to him in utero, so to speak. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And it could also be based off because it mentioned the Sweebo that they have the legacy versions of them, so it might be accurate to the time in which they are at. So. Say Archangel, as a good example. If it's his current one, he'd still have the metal wings. Oh my god. But if it went legacy, he'd have his old wings back. Are you telling me? Wow. You're telling me that Xavier is a fanboy of nostalgia and has like a, a, a backup of the best versions <laughs> of the X Men. <laughs> and that's why Jean is always wearing her short skirt, yeah. Yeah. Oh, two people have used it. Yeah, that's true. Oh my god, that makes so so much sense that it's Xavier's forgotten. So whenever whenever someone dies and is resurrected, Xavier gets to pick the skin, the character skin. Yeah, yeah. And this time, I want Age of Apocalypse Wolverine. Go! Oh my lord. Oh yes. I do want Jean. Is she actually going to be in that costume forever? It it looks like it. So they had like an Ask Hickman anything on Twitter. So I jumped in and, and like brought up Gene. I this is all for was it Adventures in in Poor Taste, which is the site that likes to brown nose uh, the editor all the time. So me like giving a, a actual question instead of like sucking up may not actually get an answer. But I thought it was worth a try to see what <laughs> Hickman felt about Gene and why she was dressed this way and why she kind of regressed a little bit. I generally feel like it's the one thing that the certain editor was allowed to actually put in the whole of this book. Because it definitely feels like his little chubby fingers are nowhere near this event. <laughs> right. Which is the one thing he actually managed to just yeah. The one thing. I'll stay in the- I won't sue you if we can have G 
Jean in the skirt. <laughs> Little cheese it back over Jean. Oh no! Oh god! He, yeah, he definitely eats cheesy watsits. Right. That's funny. All right. Well, Georgie, why don't you take us home? Powers of X number six. The extra long Powers of X number six. Writer yeah. Jonathan Hickman, artist Arby Silva and Pepe Larraz, a color artist Marte Garcia and David Curiel, letter of VCs Clayton Cowles, design Tom Muller, and uh, the covers by Arby Silva and Marte Gracia. And this is just another one of those one person standing in covers. Um, I, I quite like this with uh, Moira walking kind of over with the corpse of all the uh, the mutants with kind of like a, a cherry blossom background happening. It almost feels like a rebirth. Uh, is going on, but maybe she's the only one there. You know what I mean? It, uh, yeah. I kind of like the theme here. I really like it. I like the fact that it includes people like, um, oh god, Rasputin. She's at, she's like laid yep. down on the floor in Cardinal. Mm-hmm. So it has all of the, all of the mutant elements of all, all of the lives she has touched. Um, and I, I generally, with the revelations of this issue, it's very thematically on point. Yep. Also, Moira can finally dress sensibly because she's always had really bad dress sense and now she looks good. Took ten lives, but we're here now. <laughs> I dress a little better each time. Oh, that's the goal. Just a little incremental improvement. Right. <laughs> Everyone remembers that weird onesie she had at the early 90s, right? That was weird. Mm, yeah, that's I- not... Yeah, Ian knows nothing, so he just sees those cool Moira. Uh, also, she had so much better fashion sense in year one. Where did that go? Where did that go? <laughs> like, she looks awesome with a little hat and the giant earrings. And oh, yeah. She's in a skin-tight onesie being wrapped in metal. <laughs> All the same is bliss. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, sorry. It's all right. Fashion is hard. <laughs> fashion. All right, uh, so we start with... Uh, the X-Men year one, and we, we get like a retelling of the first meeting between Charles and Mora at the uh, at the fair. And we're reusing, reusing a, a few pages, but sort of recontextualizing where they come up. Um, you know, and, and I started to wonder, we, we've seen this a, a few times, and each time we get like a little bit more, like five seconds further down in the conversation. And this time we get even further down where it kind of like gives, gives Charles Xavier a brain aneurysm. And I was wondering if... This is actually the same conversation we're seeing, but just further down the line, or is this each time she's approaching Charles with like new goals? You know what I mean? If, I don't uh, know. This feels like the final conversation to me, like the, the the life we're living now. Right, right. But is is that the same conversation we saw previously? But we're just seeing more of it now, or is this like uh, again she's she's come back to try? She's every Charles. time. She's a one trick pony. I've decided she's a one trick pony, and this time she's like. <laughs> Like you just said, she just adds little snippets at the end. By the way. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought you were going to say something, by the way, and then I thought yeah. you would work. As, as, as Moira, she's no, like, Moira by the way. Saying, but yeah, right. Yeah, by the way, Sorry. this happened now. By the way, this <laughs> and this. And, uh, yeah. And then we jump to year 1000 and librarian. La, la, I didn't, couldn't say librarian. The librarian enters the preserve, which is a zoo for mutants, we find out. Where uh, mutant daddy Wolverine and mutant mommy Mora have uh, a discussion <laughs> with the librarian uh, that fundamentally kind of breaks Mora, and because the uh, mutants always lose, we find out um, when he, 
it's, it's kind of difficult for mutants to win because humans have jumped out of the evolutionary struggle. They've sort of cheated the game, and uh, mutantdom is, is locked in the struggle against nature. But if humanity has removed themselves from nature, how can mutants ever ever win is, is sort of the conversation they have. It's, uh, it's drawn beautifully. Uh, the color work is spectacular. Um, there's even some some uh, lens flare that I'll forgive um, in the background. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of lens flare in, in this issue. Yes. And um, the, the interesting part for me is that the librarians come in here to try and be persuaded not to become part of a god. It, it's like this, the less piece of humanity is there trying to, trying to be convinced to, to give itself up. And they have a conversation, and um, as F, you know, he's a, the the librarian is afraid of becoming an incorporeal idea of existence, you know, living outside of time and space, rather than you know ever being able to touch something. So he's uh, having some some issues. Um, they're kind of unable to. Uh, Daddy and mommy are unable to persuade the librarian to uh, to stop it until. Uh, you know, Wolverine does what he does best and just like cuts this dude. <laughs> just what's what's Wolverine gonna do? He has two moves. He's gonna like scream and he's gonna slice, <laughs> and he screams a, a bunch and then he slices and kills the uh, librarian, which is uh, cool, I guess. Um, and then Mora's like, "All right, I guess I found out what in the far, far distant future humanity's gonna do. So send me back." And we have a sort of a uh, a recall of. Uh, what uh, he did to Mora in year 100. Um, and he says, I, I do what I do best, and sends her back on her way. Uh, and then we continue the conversation with Xavier and Mora, and, and uh, Professor X kind of freaks out, and Mora's like, yeah, I mean, you're cool, but i got to break you because you're dumb. Um, and so she has to <laughs> explain how things need to be. And then we, we run through some of Mora's journals. She talks about what happened with Xavier and Magneto, and I'm not sure when this exactly happens or if this is supposed to be still something the librarian's reading or not. Uh, it's kind of unclear, but it looks like at one point Magneto uh, separates from, from, from them and uh, things don't go well. Uh, but then we go back to Krakoa in uh, Mara's no, uh, no Space, uh, you know, what they term yesterday, so basically uh, year 10. Uh, Mora now knows the ultimate thing. Da, 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 da. So it, here, Mora decides to stay in the shadows and like allow her students, quote unquote, uh, Magneto and Charles, to go out and do what they're supposed to do. Um, she lets it be known that, uh, rather, she is informed that Mystique joins the council, but Mystique's uh, one uh, request is that they bring back Destiny, which Mora says can never ever happen, and Charles and and Magneto like, sure, we'll make sure that never happens until we make it happen. It's it's a weird like they're 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 going against the teacher or, or against mommy, kind of rebelling a little bit in an adolescent kind of way. Um, and then they go out to enjoy the fireworks, and we get uh, sort of a different uh, monologue here of the ending, uh, where they're they're talking to Moira about everything she set up and what they're gonna do moving forward, and. Um, I, I kind of like the re- reframing of everything here. Like, they know that they're they're fighting against the inevitability of losing, but this time they've made changes and they're still going to fight the good fight no matter what happens. And uh, Magneto says, "I am not ashamed of what I am." The end. I I actually really dug this issue. I don't know if it sounds like uh, Dan, you had issues. Perhaps you this was 
you wanted to end with House of X, maybe this spelled out too much of what was going on in the background, but I absolutely adored how they reframed things. I loved how they tied up year 1000. The only thing I'm not really sure is how any of this fits together uh, timeline-wise. <laughs> right. Yeah. Wait, um, um, because when she was in year 1000, that was life six, and then she lives four right. more years. So what right. the hell was she doing? Right, right, because they they set this up like the year one, in the year 1000 is like the ultimate knowledge that she needs to finally fix things. Right. But then we know there's at least four more lives after that. So does she regress? Like, I don't, I don't understand how, if this is what she really needed to know, and then life seven, eight, and nine just don't work out, like, what else can she learn? And this is the farthest, this is the farthest life, right? Or is there one that goes farther? See, I'm trying to look at the old, the old timeline, and I don't really know. Right, so the year 100 timeline was when Wolverine killed her. What, that was the end of life nine, was it? Nine, right? Yeah, I think so. No, I, th- I think what was happening, or what is happening, is she's collecting, uh, after finding out that they always lose, maybe she tests that theory um, with the other lives and realizes right. maybe this... Okay, I've I've tested the theory. I've acquired a ways of getting new allies because there's certain other information. She needed the information. She need she still needed different types of information, like the information from uh, the Sentinels with the, the data blocks, so that she can actually give Charles the 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 information he needed to give Sinister to collect all of Mutantdom. Sure, um, sure. It, it just so feels I, like this is the the ultimate. All right, now I got to have everything. Next starts like the revolution, but it's placed in the middle it just maybe it's it's the uh the well, linear linear brain of mine trying to figure out why this was placed in, in this it order it proves the librarian right she's lost every other time she's attempted she's lost right right uh, t- not, uh times what we're watching is that is because destiny gave her what 10 lives maybe 11 um so this is this is her last ditched attempt to do it this is the moment where she's like yeah i'm gonna have to break baldy and uh, put him in black, and put Magneto in white, and have them as my like, like try and change their their viewpoints on life. Right. And she hasn't. It didn't seem like she. She seems like she swayed their uh, the events of their lives before, not their mental um, stability. And I feel like but, it just proves proves that losing is what happens. And she's just tested the theory, and then she's like, yeah, we do just always lose. So let's try not to lose this time around because it's my last attempt. But is it? I mean, I guess because she died, like Wolverine kills her. That's the end of life six. And then that is when we switch to seeing the last part of the conversation where Xavier like overloads. So the way that reads to me sounds like that's life seven and our current timeline is life seven. But then other issues made it feel like our current timeline was like life ten. So, so that's... Didn't she? Didn't she say to him, "You can read so much, but you can't read everything." Um, the last time that he read his mind, like, that's the she last time. She said he... that he can't. He doesn't have perfect memory of what he's read from her. Is what she said. Because I, I thought she was like, "That's the last time you read my mind." After the first time we see him read his mind, um, maybe she. Yeah, she says in the journal, like she lets him read it once. But he doesn't have per- perfect memory, so eventually she's going to have to let him read it again in the future. 
But also, is this fair real? And the reason I ask is because it happens too many times to be an error. So all these figures, you can see through them. Can you? I'm pulling yeah. up the pages of the book. Look at Moira. You see the back, the trees in the background. You can see through her shirt. You see through Xavier's face. Um, you see through when their hands touch. When they say all of us, you see the trees in the background through their hand. What page are you looking at? I'm sorry. Um, all right. So the page, there's the page where Wolverine kills Moira. The end of the sixth life. Then we have the uh, branching humanity chart. And we have Xavier frying his brain. And then immediately next, Moira's on the park bench. And the print in her shirt is the trees that are behind her. And then Xavier on the bottom of that page, the trees are behind his face. Like they're on his face. Like you can see through him partially. I feel like that's shadow, Jason. Not to be mean. Maybe. Like- Okay. They're sat, they're sat around a lot of trees. Maybe it's shadow. Yeah. Right. It could be an illusion. It could be. Okay. Well, well it, it, I didn't. Th- I, I thought it was shadow too. But there are certain panels that look like the tree line is just overlapping. Right. The hands. Exactly. Like maybe, it, maybe it's a lazy shadow. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the mirror. Right. Talking about mirroring imaging, I do like the mirroring image of of the librarian looking more and more like Xavier in certain panels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I adore the first panel of Xavier walking out, walking around in the book. Yes, it's great. Um, it's a great opening page. And, like, obviously, bringing in the idea of post-humanity and science evolution is a great great concept. And, of course, Wolverine's there to the end. Um, but, but um, so, as he always will. Right. So the idea, though, that this post-humanity is accomplished by integrating machinery into biology... What is the reason the mutants couldn't also do that? They just chose not to, or they're, they're stuck within the conceptual. Um, it sounds like they're stuck within the confines and the conceptual idea that they are the next stage of humanity. Exactly okay. by choice. Yeah. They, okay, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. All right, but um, which makes it really interesting that Charles has sort of relied a, a lot upon upgrading Cerebro this time. Like he's leaning into the the technology aspect to try and give them a leg up. Yeah. I feel like, I also feel like these general areas, uh, entries are from different lives, not from the same one. It may be. Could be. Could be. But I, 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 I never really thought about it as, um, it would make more sense if it was life nine. Yeah, like, it does. It does. Narrative, it would be narratively clean, but that, that's all we're nine, saying. Yeah. To make it life six, there must be a reason it's life six. Like, Hickman wouldn't do it just to... Well, he might do, to be fair. <laughs> but I feel like it proves the point that they always lose. Like, it's like an actual visual narrative uh, represent, um, sort of example of each life she's tried, even with none with this knowledge. And she still loses because they always lose. And that's the God's honest truth. Hence why the conversation with Magneto and Xavier's like, yeah, we lose. Let's try and not do that this time. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I like the idea that the librarian is aware of Moira's powers, too. He's like, 
well, if I become a god, then we know about you, and you never die, because we'll put you in this this timeless pocket, so then you can't die, and you can't take this back. And to me, that, that's kind of cool when, when Wolverine kills him and decides to kill Moira, and Moira sacrifices herself, and so I they're out. Like, I have to die so I can take this with me. Because um, it feels like um, he... he the librarian, like, hints upon, like, go on, kill yourself, because that's the only way I'm going to stop being a, a horrible phalanx. Right. Um, <laughs> and also, the, the, the constant playing with flower, is that, like, to subconsciously think, make her think, ah, oh, I know, we should do, like, drugs with flowers on Krakoa. Like, he's, yeah. he's, he's playing with a, a flower sim constantly in front of them. I'm um, like, is he subtly huh. influencing their future? Well, Maybe. Past. Right. Having a nice interesting. Day. No, it's it's. I think we're programmed in a way to think about stories that this happens, <laughs> so that logically this happens. Where Hickman's like, I showed you earlier that you test their theories, so this is going to be in the middle, and then there's a lot of testing, and then we're at where we are now, which, you know, is you're, maybe you're giving too much credit to the reader. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I think Georgie, back to to my point and your point, I think. The only reason that it tosses a monkey wrench is because that year 1000 story was built up to be like a, a climax of sorts. Right. And though, and so saying, okay, well, that's really not exactly everything she needs to know kind of makes you wonder what the point of it was. And I know we'll see more. All right. That's not the end of that story. That's not the end of the, the Fang Links. I mean, we're going to see that in other books. And Don of X, I can almost promise you. But um, it does kind of make you – it makes you kind of step aside and try to figure out, okay, well, what was Hickman's intentions? Um, mm-hmm. what, is, what is really important in this story and maybe what's just cool? <laughs> you know, like maybe something is cool but not that important or maybe it's crucial. I mean, I guess we'll find out. But It's been the, – the sixth life was redacted until now. So clearly, right. and it was redacted in the material that seems to be written by Moira or someone else. And right. so clearly the information she gathered in The Sixth Life is so important or so crucial to the existence of of of, of mutantdom that they didn't reveal it until now. Because like Georgie said, and like I said, she's attempted to do it and not failed. Alternatively, it would have been better if it just said, here ends Life 10 of Moira McDaggart. Right, right. That's the most straightforward choice. So I think, well, what maybe still less less to be seen is why why are we not going the more, the most straightforward way in the story? Mm. That, that could be a really cool reason, or it could just be pretense. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> the the other interesting thing is that if, if in order for mutants to win, she has to remain alive, it, like eternally in some way, right? So what sort of sacrifice does she have to make in order to, like, save her people? Uh, does she have to go in some kind of crazy stasis that's, you know, protected? Is, does she eventually have to, like, combine her essence with the phalanx in the future to make sure she never reborn? Yeah. Like, is that the lesson she really learns from that story is that eventually she has to prolong her consciousness in this dominion or whatever we're calling it? Um yeah, I'm right there with you, Georgie. I'm I'm really curious. Maybe it's not that 
she learned the lessons out of order. Maybe she's applying them in a way we don't understand yet. Mm-hmm. How about you, Ian? You've been kind of quiet. I know you didn't get the chance to fully read this, but any any thoughts? Uh, I've basically had to listen to you guys mainly because rushing through <laughs> it like I did, it was just like, oh, this is the recap extravaganza of extravaganzas here. <laughs> <laughs> and but it's yeah, it's just some interesting ideas, and but I just feel like weirdly it's not necessary. Like the entire issue. You just you wouldn't even need it. It feels like it's just been stuck on there at the end for me because you could easily end it on Hawk Six. It's a Bendis ending of an event, isn't it? Oh wow! All right. In what way? In the way that it's a setup for the next big. Uh huh. It's it's the Marvel formula. Um, <laughs> it's the prologue. It's the, it's the epilogue where all the villains are sat around the table laughing or whatever. And that's the thing that's bugging me. I'm like, this is supposed to be the last issue. Why has it ended it where it's like still got this massive fight to go off on? Well, I mean, and the, no the year 1000 stuff is so important to what's happening. Uh, I feel like it's, it, at least that half of it is super necessary. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I'm just... You know, you just sat there, you look at it, you're just thinking, why? I get you. Oh. I get you. I understand I what you're saying, but I, I do, and, and I don't know if you're saying it in a derisive way that it's a, be- a Bendis ending, but the purpose of this event, quote unquote, was to set up a whole list of books. Right, right. So for it to not to like, okay, and now let, this is where we, we jump off let, from would be like, well, okay. Let me elaborate. It feels like a Bendis ending because it finished its story, mostly, mm-hmm. and then then the back door of some shady area is opened and it's like oh it's time for Age of Heroes or oh it's time for um whatever the Bendis kept Secret Empire or whatever um, <laughs> you know what I mean and I think because I didn't really care for the Mario thing until you two brought it up so it's all your fault uh, <laughs> wow <laughs> no <laughs> well no. let's go to a lighter note if, if the end scene and House of X6 is the Matrix orgy scene. The end scene in this book is the Return of the Jedi Ewok Village scene. And all that's missing is them playing drums on some sentinel heads. <laughs> I, I would I adore, love that scene. I, I really adore I really adore the rephrasing of the party with the conversation with Moira and the fact that yeah. it was a fight. The, yeah, the fact it's, that it's very it's very it's not just defiant children, it's defiant men. Not listening. Yeah, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, um, it feels very Because we know better because we're experienced matriarchs of mutantdom. And, like, the seeds that she's put where she fears that she's pushed Xavier's mind too far down, <laughs> down, down a path. Or like, right. like and, and how Hickman's trying to weave in old history. Like, oh, yeah, Magneto uh, left us. That's why he attacked Cape, Cape Canaveral and went crazy for all those years. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And um, yeah, and I appreciate the fact that he tries to work the whole history in. Um, but now that you've mentioned about the sixth life, I'm like, is it? I just feel like it's straightforward and just like she just tried and it failed and it's just like a failing fun time. And they're trying to give it, <laughs> they're trying to give this this one stakes, like this life maybe the last so it stakes. Even though obviously Life Eleven is the inevitable reboot. But um, when when they sack it, <laughs> <laughs> right, um, right, probably, he, yeah. 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 Hey, it's that's building. his. That's his 
put the toy box back. No, exactly. Put the toys yeah. back on the shelf. Life. Yeah. 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 How? Right. I have a question. Right. How would you go back from this? It's like, <laughs> it'll be like a whip. Because I'm. You, not you give the like... book to Rob Liefeld to write. That's how. You would set the same rule. It's been right. Yeah. How do you go back from it? Simple. Ignore it. Exactly. Because, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, New X-Men, if we're going to talk about revolutionary uh, things, New X-Men really did change the status quo of the X. But, ironically, the other X-Books that were being published didn't give a shit. And um, Marvel, like, yeah, it's all back to tights now. No more mutant culture. And I feel like you can't, like, Hickman's done it on such, such a grander scale, like, incorporating every X-Book into his into his tapestry, that at the end of it, when they're like, yeah, we're having a change. <laughs> I feel like it's like, <laughs> no? Especially if he's on it for like 10 years or something. <laughs> and then right. they go, yeah, it's different now. <laughs> Could you imagine? Well, at the very end, they have, uh, of the book, they have sort of previews, I guess, for the other books. Did you any of you decode any of these things? I'm not really interested in decoding them. But just no, wondering if any of you did. I did not. Nope. I assume they all say, buy it, please. <laughs> they say, they say, um, so the only, the only, I know we've had some fun conversation, but I actually really have, even the things that don't make sense, I've enjoyed talking about. Um, minor complaint from consumers, and this book was an extra dollar for extra pages, many of which were pages you already had. So, I can see that. I can see that. But, yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's a that's a minor complaint to me. That doesn't take anything away from how much I enjoyed the book, which was quite a bit. I My felt like fun. even though they were, you know, reincorporating these pages again, they added more more to them. It was necessary. Right. My biggest question is, um, I want to see where the story between Moira, uh, Xavier, and Magneto goes, but it feels like no book will address it <laughs> for ages, <laughs> or, or, or just tangentially address it in the new ones. I'm like, um, okay. I'm sure Hickman will bring uh, g- give it a book. Give it about a year. Yeah. Maybe next summer we'll have like a crossover that'll deal with all the fallout from either her coming back out of the shadows, or because I mean, there's some some very ominous stuff in here, right? Like. Oh, don't resurrect destiny. That'll mess me up. Or, you know, don't tell everybody the truth. If everybody finds out, things are going to be bad. So, you know, everyone's going to find out. Right. <laughs> I mean, all the bad things that could happen are going to happen. So, I think we'll yeah, just kind of see those. Kill them all. Ooh. Maybe she's not a mutant. Maybe she's post. She's a post-human. Ah. It's all a lie. Uh, it's all a trap. Yeah. She's got to play the play the part, though, and always die. <laughs> well, if she's already an eternal robot memory, she can die all she wants. Yeah. yeah. Okay, well, um, let's go uh, Georgie, Dan, Ian, me. All right, How this is that? easy six out of six for me. Five out of six? Uh, can I just okay. say wrong? Can I just, just say wrong? <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Dan. Don't worry, you're going to hate me. Because I just feel like it's pointless, but I can't deny it looks nice. 
Three out of six. You didn't read it properly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right. Well, um, I'm going to book into it with another six. I really... I knew I definitely have questions, but they're all good kinds of questions, I think. Um, and definitely have me poised to want. It's not like, oh, well, this doesn't make sense. It's stupid. It's, oh, well, I have questions about this. I hope we get the answers. I want to actually read the stories that hopefully someday address this. So, um, doesn't really take away the enjoyment of the book for me. So I'm going to go, uh, yeah, I'll go six out of six as well. All right. Rapid fire, guys. Just overall Hox Pox feelings. Uh, best best X-Men event in 10 years? Uh, I don't even know if I'd call it an event, but like great. What a, what a great opening like uh, shot. Uh, just a great first half from, from uh, Hickman here. I'm really excited to see uh, the second half, how this comes out. Uh, I'd have to say, considering I was forced to read this at the start by a blurtop, <laughs> uh, it has been a great ride, and it's going to be up there with plenty of things, I say plenty of things, a handful of things I've read, much like Vision or Young Avengers, uh-huh. and I'm going to have to own it in a hardback of some form if it ever comes out. It's going to be a hardback, isn't it? Then yeah. I will own it. There's no denying <laughs> Even with the ending not being to the best of my taste. When you read it properly. Yes, I was about to say that. <laughs> if I read it properly, it would probably be a different opinion altogether, but I still feel like it should have ended on Hawk 6. Do you want to tell them that you're also going to buy actual comic books after this one? Oh, yes. I've officially got a pull list. Wow. Nice. And uh, what are you buying? Excalibur and... Uh, what's the one with Kitty that I'm going to be adding? Marauders. Marauders. Nice. Uh, he's going to buy them and read them before me. I was like, oh, charming. After scraps, Dad. You can have the seconds. Um, right, Hickman, um, Magnum Opus X-Men before the rest of the fun begins. Um... Uh, like triumphant, I suppose is the best word to put. It was a return to form, um, unique and yeah. um, beautifully, beautifully told. Like a like like just heavenly art being just yeah. streamed across pages. It's beautiful. Something. Yeah, a very a very glorious looking book as. As grand in scheme as Hickman's writing style is, the art, you know, does what it should do. I mean, the art should embellish the script and elevate it. And this art takes great ideas, great themes, great dialogue. You know, we talked about Hickman nailing the voices and the two artists he worked with, and especially the colorist, um, just took all that and just stepped it up, you know, exponentially and really made this whether you want to call it an event or a miniseries or two books as one, however you want to word it, it was a fantastic read from start to finish. I mean, obviously nothing is perfect, and we had little quibbles about little minor details here and there, but overall, from front to beginning, just a really enjoyable experience. And that's not just because our last round of experience is not that good. This is independent of that. This is... 
no matter what you're stacking up against, it's been some of the best reading I've done over the last couple of months. And so just really, really enjoyed it. And looking forward to see what, where it goes. And um, speaking of that, we have the Dawn of X six main titles over the next six weeks. Um, we'll kind of probably split that coverage in half. Um, Ian, as much as you read, you're welcome to come back on. We'd love to have you. Have been great having you on the show this last couple of episodes. And um, I think after that, we'll kind of have to decide what to do. I know you guys have already talked about covering some of these books on Excaliburs, so I don't want to double dip you too much. So we'll kind of we'll come up with a plan after we get past the number ones. But um, anyway, that's kind of the the future of the the podcast, and really looking forward to reading those books. Um. Anything else you all want to say as we wrap up? Uh, I mean, you, you alluded to it, but we'll be reading um, Excalibur and New Mutants, at least the first issue for, for Excalibros, and then definitely continue with Excalibur, and we'll see what we do with New Mutants moving forward. But we're, you know, if you want to keep having us on to talk Xbooks, we're going to keep coming on until you tell us to go away. No, it wasn't a question of if, it was a question of how we decide to do it. No, no, totally. No, I got you. Yeah. Um, otherwise, how can they find us, Dan? Um, they can find us at Excalibur's One um, on Twitter, and if you put Excalibur's into Google, you can find us everywhere. If you go to podbean.com forward slash Excalibur's, you can start listening to our episodes and jump in when we start reviewing um, the new Excalibur in a month. So in November, because it comes out, it's the last bloody one that comes out, and it's it's the one I want to read the most, so obviously that's what <laughs> um, um, Yes, that's where you can find it. That's... How did they find you, Ian? Online. Right. <laughs> 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 you can find me on Twitter and Instagram, uh, the usual thing, which I name every account, SSJ Bakura. Awesome. And I know I, I just said it, but Ian, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show. Um, yeah. Thanks for taking this ride with us, and hopefully we can Thank get you, you back on this. some more. Yeah. Thank you, Dan, for the blow torch for um, <laughs> <laughs> the failed threats. <laughs> there you it was go. a genuine pleasure, and I will happily join you and do more. Yay. Awesome. All right. Well, for the podcast, it goes snicked. As always, you can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snitcast, and yeah, more, more episodes coming until, you know, whenever. <laughs> so, hope you enjoyed it. Um, thanks again, guys, for, for coming on, and um, that's going to do it. So, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. Later. Bye. And snacked. <laughs>